Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. There are thousands of amazing self-help books out there, but what happens when you're struggling at the moment and need help now? Well, my new book, Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook, is your new go-to self-help book. I wrote it specifically for when you don't know how to overcome a challenge. Each chapter gives you a framework on how to tackle your situation. I help you focus on what already works for you. Your situation today may be different, but the emotions you're currently feeling, you felt them before, and you did something that helped you. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. This book is specifically written to help you overcome any obstacle you may face. Purchase your book, Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. Once again, purchase Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. My guest today is Dr. Susanna Baldwin, an executive and communications coach who combines her experience as a clinical psychologist with extensive corporate expertise in technology and biotech companies. Susanna has a specialty in working with women, working to advance their careers. In today's episode, we talk about her book, Women, Language, and Power, Giving Voice to Our Ambition. Welcome to Lifeology. Thank you, James. It's nice to be here. I am really looking forward to this. That was quite a mouthful for me to say, and I got to practice it many times and I still stumbled, but here we are. <laughs> and that's what, it's kind of funny because that's what we'll be talking about is the, is language itself. Now, how did you get into this career? So you're a clinical psychologist. Is that something you always knew you wanted to do? No, I always knew I wanted to help people move forward in their lives to better their lives. But I, in the beginning, I had no idea what that was going to yeah. look like. So clinical psychology was an obvious route for that yeah. but it's not where yeah. i ended up yes <laughs> that's funny i know for me as a kid people were like even as a little boy people would always come to me and tell me the problems and ask what i thought and so it was just a natural affinity for me as well and so here i'm on the other side of this but <laughs> it is kind of funny now there was a study that was done in well a 19 year study that was done years ago which showed i guess there was a 215 fortune 500 companies that were reviewed and they found that the 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 study showed, I'm going to read it real fast here, that there's a correlation between promoting women into the executive suite and high profitability. Did you find that when you, in your own life, prior to learning the study, did you find there was a difference between the women, as men, female aspect and the men aspect when it comes to corporations? No, not until I got into coaching and I was seeing so mm. many clients over and over again that I could see what women were doing and what was working and what men was do were doing and wasn't necessarily working as well to really create col a collaborative environment to mm -hmm. really get people aligned, get them working together. So that wasn't, you know, something that I knew intuitively. I, I, I found mm. it out. And then the research just keeps piling up about yeah. how women that style of leading really produces better performance, better cultures, you know, better productivity. With, with all the, the coaching that you had done, how, how was it obvious? So once again, so you have, you have your female clients and you have your, your male clients and they're working, you're, you're seeing this. How did you find the correlation? Because sometimes it's, it's, we don't see it when it's right in front of us. How did you recognize there was a difference that way? 
Um, just stylistically, women are really good at galvanizing a group around a goal. And that goes way back. You know, we're yeah. girls are socialized really in groups that work well together. Yeah. Boys are socialized more and there's a top dog that tells everybody mm -hmm. else what sure. to do. And there's a reason to be able to do both. Women have to learn that and men have to learn that. But when it comes to managing a group towards a goal, women just have a superior skill in that. And so you you see it you see that they're they're when you have everybody lined up towards the same goal they get there faster they get there more efficiently they're not afraid to say this isn't working they're not afraid to change what they're doing because they have the support of the whole group interesting so from a hierarchical approach so if we can like the corporate world when you know systemically or, and historically there's usually um a more of a patriarchal role in a lot of companies. Not always, since it's changing, yes. which is great. Obviously, yeah. that's why you're on the show today. But but with that, so we have a hierarchical goal, but what you're saying from what I'm hearing is when it's more of a collaborative aspect, woman-led, that there's a culture that allows for change as opposed to perhaps a trickle-down effect that may get stopped somewhere in the hierarchical chain. Like I say, both skills are necessary. And mm -hmm. part of why I wrote the book I wrote is because women, where they get stuck, they have these really strong collaborative skills, they're really good managers. But when you get into senior management, you really have to change your style at times to be more authoritative, to be more directive, to be more top down, to not include everybody in the decision, but to make mm -hmm. the decision yourself and make it fast and stand behind it and defend it. So that's where, you know, this incredible asset that women have, they get stuck right at that place, moving mm -hmm. into senior leadership sure. because that style is uncomfortable to them. It's not what they were socialized to learn how to do. Mm -hmm. And that's what's holding them back often. And I would also think that it may not be, it may not be intuitive. Once again, we're, we're generalizing here because not all women are this way, but it may not be as intuitive for them to move into that perhaps more authoritative role. But I think it's also compounded because if they're trying to connect with the hierarchy role or perhaps the more male version of that, then they, there's two elements there. They're not used to it, but then they may overcorrect or struggle to join with that particular male version of it. So I think it's compounded in a lot of ways that, that it can be difficult for people to move into something that they're not used to, but also the culture may not accept them in that position too. Oh, there's no question. It's what's required. And then when they start demonstrating it, women can get, it's very much a catch-22. Women can get mm -hmm. dinged for adopting what we call a masculine style. Mm -hmm. But, sure. you know, I would argue with the way we've gendered, you know, language yeah. and how we view leadership. To me, it's just a spectrum of different styles and different yeah. language that goes along with those styles. And women have been really socialized to believe that that's how men do it. And I, and that's not my territory. And that's, um, to me, one of the goals of writing the book that I did is to help women take mm -hmm. back a whole style of being sure. that can make them more effective. And that isn't the exclusive uh, territory of men. Mm -hmm. I, I like the fact that you remove the, the gender aspect of it. You're more male this way or more female this way. And do have it as a spectrum because 
not every style is going to work every single time. So, you know, I may be the CEO of a company right. here and that may work, but then if I'm also, you know, a collaborate collaboration here, but my role is, is going to be different. So learning how to be a leader in a way that's equal to what their situation requires, as opposed to a stylized cookie cutter version of that is, is never going to work. What's so interesting about that, James, is the most successful female leaders research would show are able to manage those two different styles and sort of toggle mm -hmm. back and forth, as you're saying, according to what the situation requires. Mm -hmm. And to me, th that's, that's what good communication is anyway. You know, it's who's in that's front of me, what's going to be most effective, but they're also managing mm -hmm. that catch 22, because if they're yeah. too assertive, too dominant, they're going to get in trouble for that. If they're not assertive enough and they're too passive, they're going to get in trouble for that. So they're really what I call threading the mm -hmm. needle. Yeah successfully and um but also owning that they can use the whole spectrum of mm -hmm. language and style yeah and i want to transition into the language component because when i was reading your information uh that your publicist dennis welch she was fantastic definitely highly recommend dennis welch if you're if you're promoting your book um but if you what are the different aspects in the language that one would use that would be different so as a male in this vacuum here talking to you <laughs> who I'm like, when I first heard this, I was like, you know, I, I wonder what that would be, but there's so much I don't know. And I'm sure there's so many men listening here who want to learn to be, to be able to yeah. work seamlessly with other people, but what would be the language that women use? And so therefore men can also learn that as well to emulate some of those aspects too. As we've been talking about, women have a much more collaborative style of speaking. Men have a much more authoritative, directive way of speaking. So how do, how does that take place? Whereas a woman might want to make the assertion, I want that document on my desk by Friday. Maybe that's what she wants to say. What she will say instead is, it'd be great if you could get me that document by Friday. Or hmm. instead of making an assertion, I think we should start here. She might say, I'm wondering if it would be good for us to start here. So you women modify these strong, you know, just direct assertions. They modify them to sound a little bit more collaborative, like I'm kind of inviting mm -hmm. your input into that. I'm kind of asking it as a question. And that is the beauty of what we do really well. That's what I mean. Then we draw people in, we get them working together. But when you're in certain places and you need to say, I need this by Friday and no later, and be perfectly clear about that, that's where women have trouble because then the person they're talking to thinks, especially if it's a man, well, she didn't exactly mm -hmm. say I had to have it there on Friday. Mm -hmm. It's interesting when you said that the first time, it'd be <laughs> nice to have this by Friday. My first thought was, <laughs> it's probably, I'm going to stereotype myself as a typical male. And I was like, but she didn't say she wanted, and like I heard it in a way that was like, I would do it this way. And I'm exactly. laughing because clearly I'm general, I'm gendering myself here and that respect of it should have been this way. And it's so funny because that's clearly why women are more effective in 215 <laughs> Fortune 500 companies. That's, that's quite interesting. So that, that's something we all can learn. So if people have, say it in a way that's more collaborative, and I think that's a key word, collaborative versus hierarchical. Yeah. Um, yeah. they're not, not necessarily the same, but people understand what I mean by that. Uh, so a collaborative asset, what are some other ways in which people can word or modify their language? So therefore it doesn't seem like it's a demand because as we know, a demand doesn't, it doesn't feel, doesn't always feel em empathetic or doesn't feel like the person that's hearing that command has, has any value. Yeah, there's two parts to that. And I think this is just good communication skill 
not just for women. But it's to get clear before you make an assertion, this is what I'll uh, help women with, is what is the main assertion you want to make? What is your bottom line position? Get that out with no modifiers. Don't say, I think. Don't say, maybe we should. Don't turn it into a question. Make the assertion, then explain it, and then support it. It's what I call the HES structure. But make sure that headline statement is really clear. That's the first piece. The second piece is if that feels somewhat um, not aggressive, but maybe too assertive is what we're saying. Abrasive. Then sure. after you've made the clean assertion, then you can invite participation or you can say, I'd be curious what you think about it. Or, mm. you know, is this what ma- matches with your experience? And then you can ask something that invites collaboration, but you haven't um, uh, not dissolved, but diluted the opinion mm-hmm. and the point of view that you want to get across. And that's where women get in trouble because they dilute the assertion and it's heard mm-hmm. very differently, particularly by a male audience. So I say, mm-hmm. get out that strong statement and then you can back off. That's that toggling back and forth. Then mm-hmm. you can say, I'd be curious what you think. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, do you have any different? Yeah, I was, when I was, I work with people, I was talking about the emotional joining. So we can write a letter how we want, but if you or an email how we want, even speak to someone. But if there's an emotional joining component, then there it's very divisive. There's a huge chasm between people. Mm-hmm. And so I'm what I'm hearing, and these are my words, and please correct me if I'm wrong because you're the expert here. But I'm hearing that the toggling is almost in a way to emotionally join. So you you have your directive, and then yes. how you toggle that back and forth, you emotionally join in a way which still allows for your authority, but allows for the emotionality of the person to feel validated and also feel like their opinion matters. Really nicely put, James. Now, we could also do it differently. Sometimes what I'll say is create the emotional connection and Mm -hmm. before you get to your assertion. Uh, Do you know what I mean? Like, I want to say a few things with you to connect Mm -hmm. so that when I get to my strong assertion, you're going to be less offended by it because we already have a foundation of connection. And that's the way I like to work as well. But I, I like your version of the, the toggling. I, I, that's something I'm definitely going to practice. But that's how I like to do is emotionally join. And then I say what my directive may be. But I, I think that's really, really well said. Now, on the other side of that, so w- women in general, so they're, they're learning how to do this. As they continue to climb the corporate ladder, and it's unfortunate that that's even a thing, but unfortunately, I say this in a vacuum because I haven't had experience. Um, when, when people go through that, what are ways in which they don't dilute their style? So as they work their way up that ladder, then all of a sudden, sometimes they can forget that because they're inundated with a different type of leadership style. How can women, and the men as we learn this as well, how can we make sure that we don't get inf- overly influenced um, by the, the new version of the new culture in which we're now established? What do you mean? Tell me a little bit more about what you mean by overly influenced. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I see so viewers and listeners, what she did there, she asked a question. This is tell me more. So that's effective communication as well. But more in the sense, so let's say um, I'm, I'm, let's say that you are moving to a new position. So now you are moved up, up the level of the hierarchy. Yeah. And now the people around you have a more, more of a hierarchical version, a more aggressive, more mm-hmm. serve and abrasive. How mm-hmm. do you make sure you don't lose your version of communication, which is healthy? How do you make sure it doesn't get lost in the new role that you're in? You know, that's what women worry a lot about when they get to those senior positions. They will say, literally, I feel like I'm losing a part of myself or the part Mm -hmm. that I have to leave outside the room because I have to come in the room and adopt a style that's more effective. And I would say build 
the authentic you outside of the room. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in other words, you, you're in that room and uh, maybe you're yeah. using a different style. But when you leave the room, you can go back to that more commute, what they call mm-hmm. communal leadership style. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't worry about any one interaction, anyone meeting that you're losing yourself. What you're doing is being a good communicator. You're figuring out who's in front of you, what is most influential with that group, and um, and then do everything else somewhere else. So let me give you an example. I had a CHRO who got hired into a startup and she was with an all male group executive team. She was the only female. And the first thing she wanted to do was take a number of offices offline for interviewing um, new hires. So Mm -hmm. she she announced that to them and they immediately said, well, which offices are you going to take offline? And she said, well, I think I'll ask my team since I'm new. Mm -hmm. Okay. She's going to ask her to, Mm-hmm. I knew what was coming when she said it. Yeah. <laughs> One of them said, why don't you make that decision? Yeah. So what I said to her is they're looking to see, are you a confident leader? You know, mm-hmm. you're new to them. They're looking to see, are mm-hmm. you someone who can make decisions? So she needed to sort of come in with a little bit more of that. Yeah. And then when she leaves the room, she can ask her team and make the decision for herself. But in the room, she's trying to communicate a message to them, which is, I I can do this. And I think that would be hard for anyone to go into a new position like that and to not, whether, I mean, we can, we can all read people, read the room pretty quick, pretty quickly, but to be in a new position and not necessarily know the type of role that one needs to play, I I think would be difficult to to navigate that at first. And so I'm sure there is going to be, there is going to be some, some hiccups. And I'm sure she did very well with your coaching as well to help her kind of reestablish her, her role as a mm-hmm. leader there. But, but I really do like the fact that you were talking about, it doesn't have to just be one and done. When you create a culture and you're, what you're known for of a collaborative person, uh, they think that's one of the most important things because people can look at you systemically. In other words, over, uh, overall. And so as you talk to them in that moment, they understand what your needs are, how you are, who you are, what your personality is like. And so they don't take it as, as, it's perhaps uh, more negative if it, if it is more of a, of a directive or more of a command. Well, you being, um, you know, a psychologically minded person and mm-hmm. me being as mm-hmm. well understands that the foundation of everything to me comes down to relationship. So you have to build strong relationships because yeah. they will help hold, hold people down when you're doing things that are more difficult yeah. and might give you, yes. may, may you feel a little more comfortable to do things that are mm-hmm. new and different for you. Yeah. I want to transition. I mean, we've been talking about your book as well, your expertise, but I want to transition into this as well. Uh, so mm-hmm. that we're, we're talking with Dr. Susanna Baldwin and we're talking about the, her book, Women, Language, and Power, Giving Voice to Our Ambition. This book overall, is it a workbook? What kind of book specifically is it for so that when people purchase it, they're like, ah, this, this is what this is? Um, the first half of the book is an explanation of the way women have been specifically socialized to speak in ways that undermines their power. So in mm-hmm. other words, we've been raised to be nice and to be quiet, mm-hmm. to sit mm-hmm. with our legs crossed and our hands mm-hmm. in, to wait our turn. Boys are allowed, you know, and, and socialized sure. to take up space, to mm-hmm. get called on more often, to own the public arena. So if we really mm-hmm. look at the ways we've been socialized, it's clear why we have trouble once we get into the work world and into yeah. senior positions. That's the first half. The second half are all tools 
for working against that. Like that, just that structure I said, headline, explain, support. Mm-hmm. That's a little structure that helps any communicator. Yeah. There's um, things on uh, structures for presentations, how to have effective conversations. So it's not a workbook, the second half, but it's all tools for good communication for anyone, frankly, but specifically for women. And so when people purchase it, they're able to Im- quickly implement those those techniques and tools in, in any setting? Um, absolutely. And I would say that is um, my style. Like what I want to provide <laughs> for people is something that they can use tomorrow. You know what I mean? I, and that's, that's why, cool. you know, there's just enough sort of of the setup of what this is. And then there's what you can do about it. And yeah. what isn't in that book, which I think is just as important, James, is what organizations can do if they understand the, you know, conflict women have adopting Mm -hmm. a style that they've been told all their life they shouldn't adopt. They should be quiet and be nice. Three times more often, girls are told Mm -hmm. to be quiet and be nice than boys. So if organizations understand that, they can um, do a, a number of things to help women work with that conflict and get and work through it and get better with it you know what i mean so we need both organizational change and we need women to adjust their style to be more effective in a corporate world sure yeah putting you on the spot here what would be a way in which organizations can allow for both genders to be aware of the disparity between how women were historically raised as far as to be more quiet, to be more more submissive, mm-hmm. my word, I'm using, mm-hmm. which is unfortunately what they've been taught. How, what are ways in which corporations can really instill this learning process so there is an, a, perhaps an onboarding process or just an, an overall understanding of that? What are ways in which they can do that? One example. One of the top reasons women are held back from positions of leadership and senior leadership is their communication style. It comes in the form of she's not assertive enough. She doesn't speak up enough. She's not decisive. She doesn't have executive presence. She's not commanding a room. Okay. Top reason. And so many of my clients are women who are being told that. Okay. If you're going to make that the reason you're not promoting a woman, again, she's not being promoted because she's not doing her job. She's doing her job. But for this, then you have to give her explicit, specific feedback on Mm -hmm. what those behaviors are, how we're going to measure them and how we're going to, so that we can, uh, tell if she's changed or not. So do you know what I mean? In other words, we don't have to leave it to somebody's perception of whether she's changed. These are measurable, clear. So women come to me and they say, they told me I don't have executive presence. And I say, well, how did they describe that? Well, they didn't. They Mm. didn't. That's subjective. So how do I fix it, Susanna? How do I fix it? And what I say is you go right back in there and you say to Mm -hmm. the person, your manager, what exactly are you talking about that I need to change? Mm -hmm. What behaviors? So that's one. And how can we measure that? And also just the biases that are so... um, prevalent in the mm-hmm. way that women are seen questioned about whether they, they really can be leaders. So a lot of the ways that um, companies do succession planning, they have to really pay, make sure that what they're doing is not excluding women out of bias. And they need to make sure that they're giving women opportunities to show the core skills of leadership, giving them assignments that allow them to show their strategic keep, capability. 
So there's a lot of ways. I mean, and there's little ways. Yeah, exactly. And, I, and, I, and once again, speaking as a man in a vacuum here who hasn't necessarily dealt with some of those things, it's, it's, um, I'm glad there are people like yourself who has written this book. Once again, Women, Language, and Power, Giving Voice mm-hmm. to Our Ambition, which can teach all people how to be more effective in their communication and how to be able to use their words and their presentation in a way that is effective and overall really in, enhances the corporation. Unfortunately, Dr. Susanna Baldwin, it's been our time's up. We could literally talk today, you and I, I feel that. If my viewers and listeners want to find out more information about you and to purchase your book, one more time, Women, Language, and Power, Giving Voice to Our Ambition, where would they find all this information online? They would find my book on Amazon and they would find out about me on my website, which is www.susannabaldwin.com. Wonderful. My viewers and listeners also know if I can't find this information any other place, simply go to the show notes at jamesmillerlifeology.com and i have all of your information there. Dr. Susanna Baldwin, thank you so much for a guest on my show today. I appreciate that. What a pleasure. Thanks so much. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.